Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Reading from 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 9. Escuchen la lectura del segundo de Reyes. Now there were four leprous men outside the city gate who said to one another, Why should we sit here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. But if we sit here, we shall also die. Therefore, let us desert to the Aramean camp. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the Aramean camp. But when they came to the edge of the Aramean camp, there was no one there at all. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, the king of Israel has hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to fight against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp just as it was and fled for their lives. When these leprous men had come to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent, ate and drank, carried off silver, gold, and clothing, and went and hid them. Then they came back, entered another tent, carried off things from it, and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, What we are doing is wrong. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, we will be found guilty. Therefore, let us go and tell the king's household. La palabra de Dios para el pueblo de Dios. The word of God for the people of God. Gracias, damos a Dios. To be seated, and any children who are here with us to come forward, join me up here, come on up, and if you're worshiping online, just get a little closer to your screens, and wave to you. Good morning. I'm so glad to see you all. Well, this story that Miss Teresa just read for us was one that I wasn't very familiar with. It's kind of tucked away in the book of 2 Kings, but it's a wonderful story, and to help us understand it, I thought I would tell 
a make-believe story that's kind of like it. Instead of people, it's about mice. So once upon a time, there was a little village of mice. They were field mice, and they lived in a field all together. And then one day, there were a couple of the mice whose fur kind of started to come out a little bit. And all the mice were scared that this was some sort of disease that they might catch if they stayed close. So they said to those two mice, you guys have to go live outside the walls of our village. Sorry, but we're scared. And so those two mice lived outside. Some time went by, and days and weeks went by, and there was no rain. And so there was no water for the mice to drink, and it was hard to find food, and they all started to get hungry, and they didn't really know what to do. So those two mice were sitting outside the gate, and they thought, hmm, well, if we sit here, we're just going to be hungry too. Maybe we should go out and explore and see what's out there. And so they went out, and suddenly they started hearing the sound of a river. You know what a river sounds like? And they said, oh, we're so thirsty. Let's go get a drink. So they drank, 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 drank some water. And then they kept going, and they saw a picnic table. And there had been some people there who had left behind some of their sandwiches and some of their cheese and fruit. And so these two mice started to eat all this good food because they were so hungry. And then they stopped. And they said, you know what? We shouldn't just be keeping this to ourselves. We have friends back in the village who are hungry too. Let's go back and tell them that there's food here and we can show them where it is. It's kind of like this story. There were people who found some food that everybody could eat. And instead of just eating it all themselves and keeping it to themselves, they decided to share. And God was pleased. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you so much for all of your many gifts. Thank you for stories like this in the Bible and make-believe stories that help us remember how important it is to share what we have. Because you want everybody to have enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for listening. Three, four, and five-year-olds can go to Children's Church with Pastor Aaron and Pastor Maggie. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. So it's true what I told the children that the text for this Sunday is one that I just didn't remember. I mean, I promise I have read the book of 2 Kings several times. I read it in Divinity School in my Old Testament class. I've read it a couple of times as part of Disciple Bible Study, and I'm reading it as part of our journey through the Bible this year. But for some reason, I had just never paused on this story. I'd never stopped to to notice it and to dive into it. Because, you know, it's all about the Arameans and a siege of Samaria, and it's just like, ah, I'll just keep going. But I'm so grateful for Dr. Lester inviting us to pause and dive a little deeper into this story. We got his text just in time for Tuesday morning Bible study, and I hadn't had time to prepare anything, and so we read it together. And as we read and talked about it, I realized the richness of this story and what it might have to teach us and offer us in the middle of this book that seems to be all about battles and bad kings and some good kings, but it's a treasure of a story. 
But if you're like me, if you just read the text that Teresa just read for us, you're wondering what in the world is going on. So we got to zoom out a little bit and get some of the context of the story. So I'm going to go back just a few chapters. Well, a little further than that. So if you remember, we had King Saul, King David, and King Solomon, who were the kings of Israel. When Solomon dies, there's a civil war that happens and the kingdom splits into the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. So most of First and Second Kings take place with these two kingdoms, and we hear about all the kings of each kingdom, most of whom were not faithful to God, and all the problems that arose from that. Well, today's story happens in the northern kingdom, the capital city of Samaria. Now, there is a kingdom called Aram that are sometimes enemies of Israel. And a few chapters before this story, the Arameans had attacked Israel. And God played a little trick on them so that they ended up inside the city walls of Samaria. And the king of Israel, Jehoram, wants to kill them. He turns to the prophet Elisha and he says, can I kill them? Can I kill them? And Elisha says, no. Don't kill them. Feed them. Give them water. Show them kindness and mercy. And so Jehoram does just that. And the army of the Arameans leaves in peace. And for a while, there is peace between the two nations. But time passes. A new king rises to the throne in Aram and decides he wants to give it a go and attack Israel and see what he can do. And so he and his armies lay siege to the city of Samaria. So when our story opens, the city of Samaria is surrounded by the Aramean army and time has passed and there is a famine and the people are starving. And you can read more in chapter 6 about how dire the circumstances were. But in those circumstances, the king is just overcome with fear and panic throughout this story. He's like a chicken with his head cut off. He doesn't know what to do, and he's so afraid and angry that he has to have someone to blame, and so he blames Elisha. If Elisha hadn't shown those people mercy, we wouldn't be in this situation now. And so he decides he wants to have Elisha killed. So he and the captain of his armies go to find Elisha to put him to death, and they knock on Elisha's door, And Elisha is smart enough not to open the door, but he just talks through the door. (laughs) And he says, just keep your shirt on. It's going to be okay. Our God is with us. God will provide. I promise you that within a day's time, there will be plenty of food right here in our city. Trust me on this. The scene changes. And it opens where Teresa's reading began with these four men who have leprosy, who are living outside of the city gate. They are Israelites, but in those days, if someone had leprosy, they had to live outside of the community. So they were forced to the margins. They were cast out of the community. They had to fend for themselves. They had found each other, the four of them. And in those days, as the famine got so desperate, they turned and looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? If we go back into the city, that's where the famine is. We'll die. If we sit here and do nothing, 
will die. Our only option for life is to step out and walk toward the Aramean army, walk toward the unknown and see if somewhere in there there is life for us. And so they start walking toward the siege army. And it doesn't say this explicitly in the text, but I think perhaps God uses their footsteps and amplifies them so that the Arameans who are laying siege, instead of hearing little footsteps, hear raging armies and horses and thousands of soldiers coming their way and they say, oh no, the king of Israel has hired the king of the Hittites and the Egyptians and they're all coming after us and they ran in fear. Abandoned everything, abandoned all their food, clothing, gold, silver, horses, donkeys, they just ran off into the night. And so these four lepers arrive on the scene and everything's empty. And so, as you can see the little drawing on the front of the bulletin, they open up one of the tents, and it's full of food and drink and clothing and silver and gold, and they eat their fill and they drink their fill and they take the gold and silver and they go and bury it and hide it somewhere. And then they come back and they do it again in a second tent. They take all that they want and they hide it, and then they're about to do it again in a third tent when they stop. Something causes them to stop and say, wait, what we are doing is wrong. Our people are still starving. Today is a day of good news. God has liberated us. God has brought us salvation and freed us from the Aramean army. We can't keep this to ourselves. We've got to go back and tell them. And so they make the decision to go back to these people who had cast them out, to go back to this place of pain and rejection and tell the good news. Now there's more to the story. The king doesn't believe it at first and all of that. But eventually what Elisha had predicted comes true, that within a day's time there is abundant food and drink for all. And in God's amazing way, as God often seems to do, God uses these characters who are on the margins, these outcasts, these people who sort of have mixed motives all along the way, and uses them to tell the good news to everyone else of what God has done. Now as we read this story, we can see hints of things and people in our surroundings, we recognize the figure of the king, right? The, the leader who panics and gives in to fear and just wants to blame instead of lead and trust. Then we have the, the word of God that comes from Elisha. That word that we, we want to believe, that all shall be well, that God will provide, that God will make a way. But if you're like me, you find yourself more in the middle with these four men with leprosy. <clears throat> with mixed motives, trying to figure out initially how to survive. Somehow, God works through them. So there are two movements in their story that I want to draw our attention to. <clears throat> the first is the one that I think Dr. Lester was really going to focus on with us, and I'm, I'm really sorry we can't hear his word this morning. He was drawn to this moment where these four men are sitting there, and they're saying, What's next? 
We can't go back or we'll die. We can't sit here and stay where we are or we'll die. We have to take a step out into the unknown and trust that there's life. I wonder what stories he would have told to flesh that out. I think about a friend of mine I was just with a couple of days ago. I'm going to be doing her father's funeral next week. And she was talking about he died in his late 70s, but he was celebrating 18 years of sobriety. He had spent much of his life with an alcohol addiction. But he got to that point where he said to himself, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to die. And I can't go back to the way things were, or I'll die. All I can do is take the next right step down a different path and trust that there's life for me. And there was. And he had the courage to step out and seek help And he found life, and his family found new life because he had the courage to take that journey. I think about a church that I read about not too long ago, Disciples of Christ Church in Oakland, California, that in their heyday had 1,500 people in worship, thriving, big, beautiful building. But in recent years, their worship attendance had dwindled down to fewer than a dozen on Sunday mornings. And their building was getting to be a burden to maintain. And they looked around and they thought, you know, we can't go back. We can't keep doing what we're doing or we'll die. How do we step out in faith into the unknown and see what life God has for us? And so they started opening their doors to the community in new ways. They had a a book swap, a clothes closet, a a feeding ministry, a welcoming nonprofits to come and, and have their offices there, recovery groups. And all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but over time, this church building became a beacon of light in the community. They still don't have a lot of people coming and sitting in the pews on Sunday morning, but they are sharing the good news of God's grace and mercy and justice and salvation in all sorts of ways. And everybody knows who they are. Because they were willing to step out. And sometimes it takes getting to a place like these lepers were in. A place where you've got nothing left to lose to have the courage to step out. The second moment in the story was one that as we read through it in Bible study on Tuesday morning, I just felt this emotion well up inside my chest When these four men stop and they say, what we are doing is wrong. Today is a day of good news. We need to go and tell it. And to me, that's an echo of, as someone said in Sunday school today, of of the gospel message. We have been given good news of God's mercy and grace and abundance for all people. And we get to come in here on Sunday mornings or or join in over live stream and worship together and, and hear this good news that we are loved just as we are, that we're included, that God's love is unconditional, will never be removed from us, that grace upon grace is for us. 
and we cannot keep it to ourselves. It is good news for everybody, and we have to share it. We want the world to know. Did you know that there is a God who loves you unconditionally? That you get a fresh start of grace every day? That our God is working for justice and righteousness in our world, and and we get to be a part of that? I had someone tell me this week, he doesn't attend our church, but he drives by our church almost every day, and he says, you have no idea what your church's banners mean to me. Just to know that there's a faith community out there that's saying to the world, God loves you unconditionally, is quite a witness. But there's a lot we have to do to flesh that out, to put that into our hands and our feet and the word we bring to the world. And I'm grateful to be part of a congregation that has this as our mission. We know what it's like to feast, to receive our fill of abundance of God's grace and love. And just like those four men with leprosy, God can use us and whatever our circumstances are to spread the good news because this abundance, this salvation is for all. Thanks be to God.